good to be in God's house. And I kind of feel weird because I ain't shook anybody's hands. I'm not mad at you, okay? It just, it's just a time we're living in. I just kind of, it's, it's kind of weird not coming to church and go around and doing what we've done for all, all my life. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll survive this. We'll survive this. And so uh, we're going to do everything we can to protect you and also do everything we can to protect our spiritual health as well. That's what we want to do. Amen? And so uh, we thank God that he is still in control. If you got your Bibles, I want you to go with the book of Daniel, chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1, and I'm going to be looking at the first, first, eight, first eight verses there in the book of Daniel. And uh, before we get to the text, I do want to read one scripture out of Romans chapter 15, verse 4. We'll put that on the screen before we get to Daniel. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes this, For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. So that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now, what's he talking about there? He's talking about the Old Testament, the things that are written, you know, in, in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. And so we don't throw away the Old Testament. It's still there. We learn from the Old Testament. We live by the principles of the New Testament. We learn from the Old Testament. And so with that saying, I want us to learn something today, okay? And I want us to go to the book of Daniel, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and then we'll get verses uh, 4 through 8 after that. Look what he says here. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his, that's Nebuchadnezzar's, hand, along with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar and to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of his officials, to bring some of the sons of Israel, including some of the family, royal family, and of the nobles. Let's stop there for a second. I want you to notice this, Okay. It was not that Nebuchadnezzar and his gods were greater than the God of Israel, okay? That they went into captivity. It was God's sovereign plan. I refuse, I said it last week, I'll say it again. I refuse to be in any kind of religious movement that declares Satan as all-powerful, okay? God is greater than... He's sovereign over everything in this world. He's even in charge of what is going on right now. Because let me kind of set the background here. For many years, God's prophets had warned his people that if you don't turn from your idolatry, if you don't turn from your immorality, if you don't turn from your injustice, the nation will fall into ruin. And the prophets of God saw this day coming. They prophesied, matter of fact, Isaiah prophesied a thousand years before this happened that this is exactly what was going to happen to God's people, that they would be led into captivity because of their sins. Now, you may say, why would God allow that? Well, God would rather 
his people live in shameful captivity in a pagan land than live like pagans in a free society and disgrace and shame his name. You understand that? I'm going to say that again. God would rather his people live in captivity in a pagan society than to live like pagans in a free society and disgrace and shame his name. You may say because I think Habakkuk had the same problem. He said, God, why are you allowing these people that are worse off than we to come and do this to us? Well, there's really no one that's good, only God. Okay? We can claim to be a Christian nation all that we want, but it's a hollow claim. Because when we allow the aborting of all the babies... When we allow things to go on that breaks the laws of God and yet we call ourselves a quote-unquote Christian nation. And so there's times when God will allow people that are more evil to come and take God's people captive to turn them back to God. You understand that? And so it's amazing because as we read about Babylon and the Babylonian captivity, we first see this name Babylon, Babylonian in Genesis chapter 10 and in Genesis chapter 11. And you'll see this name Babylon referenced throughout the Bible from Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. Now, the name Babylon, which is the root word of Babel, it means confusion. Okay, And so God's people were taken from Jerusalem, which means peace, into a place of confusion. And throughout scriptures, Babylon represents the human system of politics, of religion, of commerce, and evil that is in open rebellion and at war with God. You understand that? So let's go back to our text. God had allowed his people to be taken captive. And then we pick up in verse 3. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of his officials, to bring some of his sons of Israel, including some of the royal family and of the nobles. Then verse 4. Youths in whom was no defect who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge, and who had ability for serving in the king's court. And he ordered him to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. Verse 5, The king appointed for them a daily ration from the king's choice food and from the wine which he drank. And he appointed that they should be educated three years, at the end of which they were to enter the king's personal service. Now among them, from the sons of Judah, were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Verse 7. Then the commander of his officials assigned new names to them. And to Daniel he assigned the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah Shadrach, to Mishael Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. Then verse 8, but Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself 
with the king's choice food and with the wine which he drank. Now let's think about this for a second. In these first eight verses, what we see here is an attempt by the Babylonians to brainwash God's people during this time of captivity. Notice, first and foremost, they're taken out of their homeland from Jerusalem, peace, to Babylon, confusion. Notice then they're educated according to Babylonian beliefs and language. And through this education, Nebuchadnezzar will attempt to change their values and their beliefs. You know, I was, I was raised in a minister's home and I was not able, afforded the opportunity to go to a private Christian school. And so I was raised in the public sector of education. But let me say this. Even though my mom and dad sent me to a public school, they knew it was not the public school's job to educate me on my religious beliefs. Okay? In other words, I could go to a public school and hear about evolution, but I knew what the truth was. Okay? And it's not the church's primary responsibility to educate your children about God. They help, but it is the parent's responsibility, the father and the mother's responsibility, to educate your children in the ways of the Lord. See, if all your children get, and most people here I would say grandchildren, if all your grandchildren get is one hour a week on a Wednesday night of the things of God, and we don't teach them and show them the ways of the Lord, don't be surprised when they get out of your house if they don't follow pagan ways and pagan beliefs. See, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 9, this is what God's Word says. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He says, And you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might. Verse 6, he says, these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, to your sons, and you shall talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down, when you rise up. He says, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That means you are supposed to, as a parent, to always have the Word of God and, and our beliefs before your children. Talk about them. Live them. Wherever you are. Show them the importance of what it means to follow Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Ephesians 6 and 4, the Bible says that fathers... Don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instructions of the Lord. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Sanctify Christ as the Lord in your hearts and always be ready, whether physically or mentally, to give a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you but you've also got to do it with gentleness and reverence. Now, I know there's a lot of people, they can give a defense, but they don't do it with gentleness and reverence. Okay? 
And when you do that in a hateful way, they shut you out. But you got to do it in a gentle and reverent way when you share the gospel of Jesus Christ and when you make a defense of what you believe and why you believe that. See, even though Daniel and those three Hebrew young men were educated for three years in Babylonian religion, in Babylonian literature, in Babylonian culture, they could always filter that through God's laws. Okay? They did not forget God's law. They had a solid foundation of God's laws. And so not only were they taken out of their homeland, they were educated, they were indoctrinated, but also they were given new identities. First of all, we see Daniel. His name means God is my judge. Hananiah. His name means God is gracious. Mishael means he who belongs to God. Azariah, his name meant God is my peace. And of course we see that the Babylonians have changed Daniel's name to Belteshazzar, which means Baal protects my life. Hananiah was changed to Shadrach, which meant commander of Aku, which was the moon god. Mishael was changed to Meshach, which was a Chaldean God. Azariah was changed to Abednego, which means servant of Nebo, which was one of the Babylonian gods. And so Nebuchadnezzar not only attempted to change their name, not only tried to indoctrinate them through their education and take them out of their homeland, he also tries to change their God-given laws. Okay? Now listen, many of us have suffered through a secular education, but what will really affect your life is when you try to adopt to the culture of the world, okay? Exposing these young men to the Chaldean food and drink, what was wrong with that? Well, it was custom of most nations before their meals to make a sacrifice of some part at which they ate and drank during, for their gods. And as a thankful acknowledgement that everything which they enjoyed was a gift from their false gods, so that every entertainment had something in the nature of a sacrifice. And so we see that the first three were not as threatening, but the last one was a deal breaker. See... They couldn't give into the culture because that would violate God's laws. Oh, they would learn the education system. They would learn the language, but they determined they would never adopt the Babylonian lifestyle. And listen, this world doesn't mind if you go to their school. That's fine. They'll change your name. That's fine, and they'll leave you alone. But once you refuse to adopt to their laws, that's when you are going to face persecution. Okay? As long as Daniel went by those names, they didn't mind. But them not adopting to the laws would get Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into a fiery furnace, and it would get Daniel thrown into the lion's den. You understand that? See, we are living in a type of 
Babylon society right now. Okay? They have changed our name. Okay? Now, when we stand up for what's right, we are called people that are closed-minded. We are called bigots. We are called backwards. Okay? So they have changed our name. They have indoctrinated us or attempted to indoctrinate us. But once you refuse to adopt to their system, to adopt to their laws, that's when the persecution is going to come. See, every believer, you are either a conformer or you are a transformer. Okay? You are either being squeezed into the world's mold or you are going to be in God's mode, God's image that he has put us in. So how do we live in Babylon without conforming to Babylon? I would say simply this. The first thing is this. Don't forget where you live. Okay? Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Let me show you something here. I just, when I'm doing a Greek word study, it really hit me this week. And I probably knew this, but I've probably forgotten about it. The Apostle Paul says, our citizenship is in heaven. Now, when you study that word citizenship, the Greek word for citizenship is the word polituma. Does that word have any kind of a similar ring to something that you hear a lot of? Polituma? Politics? Politics? Our politics, which is simply our government, our laws are in heaven. Okay? I said this last week, I'm going to say it again. Okay, in case I didn't offend somebody last week, I'm going to get everybody. We've got too many people, children of God, that identify themselves first and foremost by their political party than by their godly politics. Okay? And I know, I know either one is not, is, is not crystal pure, but when a person, whether they are red or blue, when they make a statement that goes contrary or a belief that goes contrary to God's laws, we are required as citizens, whether we're in the same political party or not, to call it out for what it is. You understand that? See, and, and let, me, let, let me say this. Let's go to Romans chapter 13, verse 1. I want, I want to get something that's really been... Uh, misconstrued here lately. We see this a lot. Where the Apostle Paul says in Romans 13 and 1, he says, every person is to be in subjection to the government authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and these which exist are established 
by God. Now, a lot of people are using this to say, well, if the government says we've got to do something, that's what we got to do. But you got to realize this. For every person that's got authority in the Bible, God has given them clear guidelines that they've got to follow. Take, for instance, even though the husband is the head of the household, okay, has authority, he has got to love his wife as Christ loved the church. You understand that? So when he does something that goes outside of God's boundaries, God's laws, the wife does not need to submit to that because we must obey God rather than men. Parents have the authority in their household. But the Bible says that we should nurture them and raise them up in the Lord. In other words, when your parent tells you to do something that goes contrary to God's laws, you've got to do what God's law says instead of what the parent says because if the parent really loves God, they're going to follow God's laws and not, and not things that go contrary to God's laws. And so as a, as a person that lives in this country, I follow God's, I follow their laws as long as it is not contrary to the laws of God. And once it becomes contrary to the laws of God, I am no longer bound to follow those government laws. Okay? So understand that in everything that we do. So I say, you can never forget where you live. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places right now. This is not our home. Second thing is this. He's paying attention. <laughs> Don't forget who you are. See, we live in a what, was, what is called a postmodernism society. And what that means is this. Uh, it means there's no absolute truth. In other words, uh, postmodernism seeks to define the question, who are we? Okay? And what they have said is this, that we are nothing, we're an accident, we are a result of random processes. And when you believe that, you start acting like that, and you don't value life. Okay? Daniel's name, God is my judge, was changed to Belteshazzar, which meant Baal protects his life. And Daniel, even though he was called that, I think it's interesting, even though Daniel was called Belteshazzar, he never refers himself to, as Belteshazzar one time in the book of Daniel. See, one of the greatest crises that we face in our world is an identity crisis. And as long as you're unsure of who you are, you're going to be pressured to fit into other people's molds. Who are we? We are sons and daughters of the king. Amen. Amen. Who are we? I'm an heir and joint heir with Jesus Christ. Who are we? I am God's masterpiece and creation. Think about it. I am God's treasured possession. I'm the apple of God's eye. My body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm a royal priesthood. I am an overcomer. 
See, when you realize who you are in Jesus Christ, it will liberate you from the world's ways because what they say about you, that's not where you get your, 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 your strength from. That's not where you get your self-worth from. You get who you are in God's Word. And when you know who you are, the world can call you whatever they want to call you, but you realize that's just a lie of the, of the devil. I am who God says I am. So I would say, don't forget where you live. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget whose you are. Listen, Daniel knew that even though he was living in Babylon, in the king's palace, he still belonged to God. And even though I live in this country, I still belong to God. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Paul says this. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which, who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? You realize that you're not your own. He says, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body, which are Christ Jesus. And it's amazing when he says this, if you look earlier in this chapter, he talks about all these, all these things that, that so-called believers are getting involved in they shouldn't be involved in, okay? He's saying, you belong to God. And because you belong to God, you've got to live as a child of God. You've been bought with a price. And what is that price? The price that I have been bought with is the precious blood of the Lamb. See, I wasn't redeemed with silver and gold and things like that. I was bought with the precious blood of the Lamb. Jesus paid a high price for me. And because he bought me, I no longer have right over my own beliefs, my own opinions, my own ways. I'm a child of God. I'm a servant of God. I belong to him, and so I've got to live for him and him only. Then he says this. Not only does you, don't forget where you live. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget whose you are. Don't forget whom you represent. Don't forget whom you represent. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 20 that we are ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador just simply means this. It is one who has been directly commissioned by a ruler a king who speaks on behalf of his native country and upholds the honor of his country. See, as a child of God, as a minister, I realize no matter where I go, I represent Jesus Christ. Okay? And so I can't act foolish when there's times you would want to act foolish. I know y'all don't think I ever want to act foolish, but yeah, sometimes people will, will set you off and you want to just, you know, bless them out in the name of Jesus, that kind of stuff. But, but you can't do that. Why? Because of who you represent. You represent the King of kings and the Lord of lords. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 2, verse 21 through 24, when he talks about that the whole world is guilty, the, the Gentiles, you're guilty. And then he talks about the Jews there because in chapter 1, I'm sure the Jews are reading this letter and they're going, get them, Paul, get them, Paul. Tell, tell those Gentiles how bad they are. And then he says to these Jews, he says, 
You, therefore, who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that no one should steal, do you steal? You that say you should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? He says, you who boast in the law, though you're breaking the law, do you, dis, do you dishonor to God through your breaking of the law? Then he says this, for the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Now, this is what he's saying is this, the way you're living your life it's doing a disservice to God instead of bringing people to God. You understand that? And so just because you call yourself a Christian, you've got to realize that we've been called to a higher standard than the ways of the world. See, we got too many people that claim to be Christians and they're living just like the world. And the world is saying, you're just like me. Why do I want to be like you when you are just like me? There's no difference in your life. And we got to realize that we represent the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The last thing is you must not forget why you're here. Okay? So don't forget where you live. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget whose you are. Don't forget whom you represent and don't forget why you're here. This postmodernism world says not only are we created from nothing, we're created just by accident, but the postmodern world says this also. It says that we are simply here to consume and enjoy, so let's make the most of it. That's what they tell us. We are simply here to consume and enjoy, so let's just simply make the most of what we're doing. And we see this even in the church world. We're here to consume. We're here to enjoy. So let's just make the most of it. And how do we see this in the church world? How many times have we seen so-called preachers, ministers telling us about this? Chase your dream. God's given you this great dream, and God wants you to do all these things to make a name for yourself. It's out there. It's a consumer driven theology that says it's all about what I can get and to make myself famous in this world. But see, you got to realize you are not here to make a name for yourself. You're not here to get all that you want. Okay? You're not here just to eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we may die. See, let me tell you why you're here. If you go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, this is what Paul says, the reason why we're here. He says, for by him, that's Jesus, all things were created both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So in other words, we are the crowning glory of God's creation and we were created to glorify God. Everything in my life should be to bring glory to God and nothing else. If God doesn't get the glory out of it, then what we are doing is of a selfish 
motivation. It's a self-centered, self-serving thing. See, Paul would say in Philippians 1 and 20, he says, whether by life or death, I pray that God will be exalted. In other words, he'll be magnified in my body. I want to make Jesus Christ known whether I'm in a prison cell or whether I'm out preaching the gospel to thousands of people. I want to make Jesus Christ known. So nothing that we do here on this earth should be about bringing ourselves comfort. It should be about bringing glory to God. And if that costs us our job, if it costs us our freedom, whatever it costs us, we've got to bring glory to God. See, I'm, I'm, just, of, I'm just of the opinion of this. No matter what happens in November, God's in control and God's sovereign will is going to be done. Now, I may not like it, but God is going to still be in control. And it may come to a point where all of our freedoms, religious freedoms, are stripped away, where we are no longer a tax-exempt organization because of our stand for what God's word says. And if it comes to that, you know what? It's all because God has decreed that, because God has willed that. And if God has to do that to bring us back to our senses, he will do that. Because he's done it throughout history, throughout time. God's people have been oppressed. They've been taken in captivity why? Because they would not turn from their wicked ways. And so sometimes God has to send the enemy, somebody that is worse than what we are in, to shake us and to wake us up and to turn us back to him. Amen. And let me say this in closing. Come on, be playing. When you live in a society of Babylon... It's going to ruffle some feathers. It's going to cost you some things, okay? But I do want you to know this. From, from Genesis chapter 10 all the way to Revelation, this Babylon that represents everything that is anti-God, that goes against God's laws, that goes against God's ways, Yes, there's times when Babylon has the upper hand on God's people and enslaves them and, 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 and torments them and slaughters some of them. And in the book of Revelation, we see this great war going on. And I do know this, at the end of the book in chapter 18, verse 10, Babylon, that great Babylon is fallen for in one hour, he says, your judgment has come. What am I saying? I'm saying, listen, it may seem like this world has the upper hand and there's only just a remnant of God's people who are standing for God's word. But trust me, in one hour, just like that, suddenly God is coming and he's going to judge Babylon 
We may look like we're down by 50 points in the fourth quarter, so to speak, but let me tell you something. When God sets himself on the scene, you know what? We are coming out of this thing victorious, so don't compromise with this worldly system. Don't give in. Don't give an inch. Stand your ground, and God will take care of his people. Even though they could put Daniel in Babylon, they could never put it in his heart. They could never put it inside of him. And so church, it seems like right now that everything's falling apart. And you know what? Everything that happens like this in Daniel is God's doing. Don't ever think that God is not in control. Okay? Sometimes he has to take us into places that we don't like, places we got to make a stand. And the reason why he does that is to get us back to where we need to be. To get us back where we need to be. Listen, as you're standing, don't take what we have here right now for granted. Don't take the ability to come to God's house and gather together with his people without any kind of threats for granted because you never know when we may have to meet and have people want to watch out looking for the government to come in and haul us off the jail. You say, well, that ain't going to happen. Just keep sleeping. Just keep sleeping and keep taking those things for granted. If there's ever a time we need to stand for God in this pagan world we're living in, it's now. Don't give in to that culture mindset. Stand on the word of God because it never fails. Father God, we thank you for your word. God, everything that was written beforehand was written for our admonition to give us hope in this time. And God, why it may seem that the whole world is anti-God, we know that you are still God. You're still supreme. You still rule. You still reign. And God, I pray right now, God, that we as your people would never forget where we live. Our citizenship is in heaven. We'd never forget who we are. We're a son and daughter of the king. We're the apple of your eye. I pray, Lord, we'd never forget whose we are. We've been bought with a price to glorify God. I pray, God, that you would help us, Lord, never to forget whom we represent. We represent Jesus Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ. And I pray, Lord, we'd never forget why we're here. We're here to give glory to God. And God, whether it's by life or by death, I pray, Lord, your people would stand up and shine in this dark hour we're living in. Help us, Lord, to be bold, to be courageous, to take a stand for what your word says. And what we know is the truth, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Don't forget Sunday school at 10 o'clock. Hope you'll stay around for that. If not, we'll see you Wednesday night at 6.30. You're dismissed.